Hello, folks. I hope you're having a great day. My name is Dean Gashler, and I just recently retired from Walt Disney World as the Grand Marshal Coordinator. You're listening to Stories of the Magic. I hope you enjoy this. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 25 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we finish my interview with Jennifer McGill. Last time, we talked about how she keeps a balance between work and play on her jobs, how she got connected with several of the jobs she's had over the years, what she loved most about what she did, her residual pixie dust from being on the Mickey Mouse Club, her performing career after Disney, the new album she's working on, and much more. In this one, we backtrack a little bit so you can hear the end of last week's section to keep the flow of the stories going. Then you'll hear, among other things, what she never gets asked that she wishes people would ask her. Her favorite theme day from the new Mickey Mouse Club. Here's a hint. Lots of guest artists like TLC, New Kids on the Block, Brian McKnight, and Tiffany were involved. And some great stories about her time on the show and fellow Mouseketeers. Meeting Michael Jackson how being on the Mickey Mouse Club taught her to be humble and know her own value without comparing herself to others. What inspires her, personally and in the arts. Her advice to you for following your dreams, and so much more. I can't even summarize this one. Just listen and enjoy. After this part of the interview, I'll play one final clip from This Little Light, performed by Jennifer, as I did the last two weeks. Now, before we get to this final segment of the interview, I have something really exciting I want to share with you. As you may recall from a couple of previous episodes, I'm a travel agent. Well, my agency has just announced a fantastic and exclusive sweepstakes. If you're a Disney fan, and since you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, you have got to get in on this. You can enter for a chance to win an unforgettable Disneyland Resort vacation. The sweepstakes prize includes four five-day Disneyland Park Hopper tickets, accommodations for up to four people for three nights in one standard room at a Disneyland Resort hotel of Disney's choosing, Disneyland Resort Express transfers to and from LAX or John Wayne Airport for four people, choice of one Disneyland Resort guided tour for four people, and one night in the Disneyland Dream Suite for up to six guests, plus a collection of incredible surprises as part of your Dream Suite stay. You can't buy this prize anywhere. You can't buy this vacation anywhere. The only way to get this is to win it. A simply incredible prize. And all you have to do to enter is sign up for our free weekly newsletter, and you'll have a chance to win this unforgettable Disneyland Resort vacation. Just go to storiesofthemagic.com slash Disneyland Sweeps to sign up and enter. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly Podcast may be right for you. 
In clinical studies, anomalies interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen, too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of Anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over-the-counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and BlackBerry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by JewelBeat.com And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. I mean, the best thing ever would be that Disney asks me to come be a part of special events because it's me versus, you know, maybe have a, a nine to five type job back in the company because I've, I've done that. You know, I've lived that and I really, really have great memories from that. I want to come back as something more this next time, you know. So I would love for Disney to say, hey, Mouseketeer Jennifer, come sing for us with this person and that person and let's go do a show and let's go celebrate an anniversary or let's go put together a reunion or let's go do the next version of the Mickey Mouse Club. Like that's what I think would make me the most happy these days is that they asked Jennifer McGill back in the capacity of Jennifer McGill. <laughs> that's good. That's really good. I like that. <laughs> now going a bit more general, what do you never get asked that you wish people would ask you? Um... <laughs> I don't know if there's anything that people don't ask me that I actually want them to. <laughs> I love people to ask, tell me about this whole Jesus thing. <laughs> I think I think that would be a question that I could really do, do some with um, because really everything else gets asked a lot. You know, there, there are questions that I wouldn't want asked all the time and people don't really ask them anyway. So I don't really have to field a lot of stuff left and right. I get asked, how did you train or how long have you been doing all that? Like for people who don't know about the Mickey Mouse Club who are meeting me as an adult, um, you know, where did you get trained? How long have you been a singer? You know, what are you doing now? These are all questions that I, I get a lot. You know, if people ask me, you know, about my family, again, it's like, well, you know, there's answers to that. It's kind of neither here nor there. I can't think of anything besides where I am now with my, my next step in my music, which has so much to do with Jesus and my faith and my personal growth, that's stuff that 
um, is really important to me and that I would love for people to ask. But it's, you know, big question. It's a really heavy, lots of information kind of question. And, and in passing, people don't really have the time or want to delve into asking stuff like that. But if they did, I would love to talk about it more. Okay, good. Well, I'll tell you what, we can't go into that just because of the length of where we are so far right now. But if you'd like to come back on at some point, maybe whenever your gospel album comes out or something like that, and we can certainly spend some more time on that in that interview, I would be happy Absolutely. to do it. Absolutely. When we got some songs that are out and I can talk about what those songs mean, that would be a great idea. Perfect. I love the sound of that. Now, you did mention earlier that you love reminiscing about the Mickey Mouse Club and the stories on there. And I don't think we really did a lot as far as the reminiscing thing goes. So let me kind of prime the pump with one question, and then if you'd like to reminisce for a while, you're welcome to. I know that for that first six seasons, just like the original did, there were theme days. Each day was a theme day. Did you have a favorite theme day? I did have a favorite theme day, but it would always change. <laughs> um, my it's funny, I was just talking to my friend about this, and we stepped back from the conversation I'm about to describe, and we said, how hilarious is it that you're schooling me on the days when I used to be such a hardcore fan? And I was telling him, no, Wednesday was not music day. Wednesday was anything can happen day. Monday was music day. And Tuesday was guest day. And Wednesday was anything can happen day. And Thursday was party day. And then the Hall of Fame day was Friday. Get it right, right? <laughs> And so we were having this conversation. And, uh, you know, I remember, like, Monday was always so cool because you would have guest musical artists come on. We had Boys to Men, TLC, New Kids on the Block, Tiffany. We had all of these people who were super stars at the time. And they took time to come on our show. And even though he did not perform on our show, we even had Michael Jackson stop by and say hi to us, like shake our hands and tell tell us how much he loved the show and appreciated us. And so Music Day was always super exciting because we had outsiders coming in and they were usually famous and they sang cool and I liked them, right? So um, I suppose on average Music Day was my favorite. But there's something about Anything Can Happen Day because it's so random and you never know what to expect. And I really enjoyed the surprise of Anything Can Happen Day. But I can tell you something really cool about, you know, each one of them, because each one of them, again, depending on the week, um, had a great opportunity um, for something that I had never seen or someone I'd never met or learning something new, experiencing something new. Um, and, and as a Mouseketeer, we didn't necessarily go through the show like the the um, the viewers would experience it on the other side. You know, we would film things out of order. We would film things even maybe not on for the right week. It would be put into the show like two weeks later or something. So sometimes we didn't know what day it was anyway. <laughs> but um, I loved any day that we had a video, any day that we had a music performance, obviously music day because of our guests. Hall of Fame Day was pretty cool because we'd have kids come in and do amazing things, just like we actually say in the script. 
uh, actually still have a very good friend who uh, I originally met on the Mickey Mouse Club. He was a Hall of Fame Day guest, and he played the ragtime piano. His name is Dax Baumgartner, and uh, we did some music together years later after college and all that. Like, we, we re-met again in Orlando and worked together. So, that, you know, just stuff like that. It was just every day had something new and different. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to say my vote, my consistent vote would be for Monday Music Day because of our visitors. Nice. Do you have any particular visitor story that really stands out from any, anybody in particular? I remember for the pilot, I think, before, and I, I reference this now, uh, where Toy Story is now at Hollywood Studios, back in the day at MGM, that whole area was still backstage um, to the right of the great movie ride. It was all backstage. And so our costume trailer was there. And I remember that New Kids on the Block were our pilot guests for, I guess, Music Day. And I remember meeting them, and I was I was a huge fan. And they I just sat down for a second with them, and they were eating, like, an egg sandwich. It was, like, breakfast time, and they just were eating an egg sandwich, you know. Um, so I just thought it was so cool that I was just sitting there with new kids on the block while they were eating their breakfast, and it was no big deal, you know. And let's see, Brian McKnight was on our show, and I'm a huge fan of his music, especially around that time when he was visiting Tony Luca, who is most recently famous for being on The Voice as a finalist, he introduced our whole Mouseketeer group to Brian McKnight, uh, the music. And um, that was just super cool to hear him sing um, material. And Boys to Men, same kind of thing. I met them years later at a charity function. Um, they had been on our show. We had sung alongside them in the finale for Clinton's inaugurational special um, at the Kennedy Center. And then I met them at a charity event uh, years later. And I just still, I was just like, I was a Mouseketeer and you were on our show and I'm such a huge fan. You guys are so talented. Like still, you know, it's just, um, just those artists like TLC. I remember, um, so usually in concert, they would have certain accessories that for our audience weren't appropriate. And so they put band-aids, um, over their eye patches or on their forehead or like on their clothes. They were just covered in band-aids. And I just thought that was so funny. Um, cause it was creative and different, but still they, they adjusted for our show, which I thought was really cool of them to do that. And they, they rode in on little tricycles because they were all so petite. Um, I'm pretty sure I was taller than they were because <laughs> um, I've been 5'7 since I was like 15 or 16 years old or 14 maybe. I think in eighth grade I started growing. Yeah, so I was taller than a lot of the boys on the show and I'm sure a lot of the guests. I wish that we had had Mariah Carey on the show. I even met Celine Dion, like like you said in my bio. I, uh, she was also with us um, at the Clinton inaugural special. And so um, we sang on stage uh, all together in the finale. And I remember at that concert when we were going out for the finale, she was just beginning her touring with the song from Beauty and the Beast with Peebo. And... Um, <laughs> and so she was just touring with Beauty and the Beast, and um, that was her famous song at the, at the tale as old as time. And 
I didn't know who she was as much at the time, but she was standing right in front of me, and I was speaking to one of our Mouseketeers next to me, and I said, I really don't want to mess this up. I really hope I don't mess this up. And she turns around to me, and she says, you are going to be wonderful, just going to be wonderful. And I was like, okay, thanks. Like, she totally gave me a pep talk before we went on stage at the Kennedy Center. <laughs> I love I love her from that moment on. That is so awesome. And just stuff like that. I remember watching Boys to Men on their sound check for that special. And they started in um, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday and ended with the Beatles yesterday. Acapella. That was just their mic check. And it was just so beautiful. And that's just the kind of stuff that I got to kind of peek in on. That was my life, that I would sit next to a very pregnant Vanessa Williams. And, you know, she was obviously warm, like like hot and uncomfortable and pregnant, you know. But she was there and she was doing her part, you know, and celebrating. And then you'd see Boys to Men do an amazing mic check. And you'd see TLC and their Band-Aids. And Michael Jackson would shake your hand backstage, you know, and risk this whole press, like we were doing this whole big press release to introduce the, the Mickey Mouse Club at all. It was just the first press release that we had had as far as a, a reporters coming to our set. And we all sat on like at the diner and and spoke with them. And Michael Jackson was hiding right behind that audience. And all of those reporters were completely unaware that he was there. And he was just waiting for us to get done so that he could come say hi to us, you know. And stuff like that just blows my mind. Um and I wish that I had been older or, or just, you know, you, you always wish that you could have remembered more or been more present at the time. But when you're 11 and these things happen to you, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't get wise to it, of course, until way later. But um, I just sometimes I, it's great that I remember what I do, but I do wish that I, I could have said more and done more and and just been more present in those moments with those people. You know, I even found out that I was standing next to Alanis Morissette um, for an interview back when she was just Alanis in um in Canada, you know, we were doing a celebrate, we were promoting our album, MMC, and uh, we were on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls, and we were doing uh, a concert celebrating New Year's Eve in conjunction with the Winter Festival of Lights, and she was right there. We we were all kind of singing along together. Just You just don't know, you know. And then, of course, there's all the celebrities that came out of the Mickey Mouse Club after it wrapped, and, you know, adorable stories. Because, I mean, I have funny stories about everybody. Like, these people you might not know. I mean, you, if you were a, a Mickey Mouse Club fan, you know who they are. But, well, actually, I, I guess I shouldn't name this guy. I think I've probably said this in an interview before, but I won't name the person just in case. But uh, one of our guys who loves science, he decided, me and my Mouseketeer friend, were sitting on our dressing room couch. And he walks into our dressing room, sprays hairspray on the back wall, lights it on fire, and then leaves us in the room with this burning wall and I was Gee, wow. maybe 15 or 16, and, and my, my lady was, you know, maybe 14. And we were just dumbfounded. But obviously this guy knew that the aerosol product would burn itself out and then extinguish itself based on science. But we did not know that. And so... You know, that it's just stuff like that. Like, I beat Tony Luca at Tetris, and he bet me $10 that I couldn't get all of the little blocks down to ground level, and I did, and he's never paid me my $10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the famous ones, the celebrities, you know, it's I just remember them being so little, 
you know, all those human beings before they were grown up and fully powerful in their own ways. They were itty bitty children. They were so small because I was so tall when I first met them. And the the way that I met um, all of the, the newest batch of kids, um, Nikki DeLoach and Mark Lynch, he was known as Tate on the show, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, and Ryan Gosling, they were all on separate tracks at the time. They were on a different track than the returning Mouseketeers for season six. And so, you know, it's almost like uh, I guess the faculty wanted to get them acclimated to just being in this environment of professional people and studios and classes and all the things that you do before they met us, who were the returning Mouseketeers, who they all looked up to, because I'm pretty sure that all of them were fans of the show before they were on the show. And even just physically, we we towered over them for the most part, you know. Even the smallest of us were taller than they were. And so I can see how if you're 11, 12, 13, you know, the adults are trying to smooth things over. However, they decided to do that well or not, I have no idea. But I remember I was trapped in a classroom when I wasn't supposed to have met any of these new new kids yet. But because I got caught in the classroom that they were coming into, our principal, uh, Mr. Yerger, introduced me to them early. And so I kind of just met them on my own all at the same time. And they all just looked up at me like, oh, hi, you know. So they must have known who I was, I guess. And then, you know, I made friends with each of them differently. You know, I was I was closest to Justin actually. And, um, you know, Christina and Brittany were really, really best buddies and all three of us or whatever. We were so far apart in age. You know, I was 16 and they were 11 and 12. And, you know, you just don't necessarily hang out like that. But I remember um, the last season, Justin and I, um, we were thrown together a lot in the, the computer room. And so we would just start talking, you know, and it was like this sweetie pie little kid that I just spent a lot of time with. And, and Ryan as well, you know, I didn't spend as much time with him, but I just started seeing how sweet these kids were, you know, little Tate, we'd call him Tater Tot. And then there was Nikki, who was really already a young woman. You know, Nikki was taller and stronger. You know, she was a really sporty girl and um, really in a category of her own. So even though it was harder to relate to these kids because, um, at the ages that we all were, we didn't necessarily have a lot of developmental things in common. But personality-wise, I would say that, you know, I got along with the boys better than I did with the girls, you know, not because the girls weren't nice, because they were. They were really sweet. Brittany was like the little girl next door. She was such a hard worker. She did everything with excellence. You know, she had a great attitude. And if you watch the shows, you see how much she gave her performance in everything, you know. But little Justin, he was kind of my favorite because he was already so talented. He was already a triple threat even back then, and he was super excellent. You know, I was just so impressed with him even the first year. But then the second year as he started coming into his own, you know, So I have nothing but wonderful things to say about the people that you actually know more about these days, as well as all the ones that were more so my dear friends throughout the years, you know, like Lindsay, who was everybody's best friend. She was so good at being social. And and I feel like even though she and I were, we're, we're very close today, you know, we're, we love each other and, you know, we're, we always pick up where we left off whenever we meet up, but 
she was so good at just, you know, being socially okay with everyone, you know, just she could just adapt. And that was the one place that I just wasn't very good at. I was really shy. It was so different from how I used to be on camera. But socially, I was completely unsure of myself. And Lindsay was so good at just working the room. And I only knew how to work the stage. So, you know, I really looked up to her and how easy it was for her to interact with everybody. And um, Tasha and I um, hung out a lot. Uh, she and I were best friends for a while and, and went to high school together for a little while. And and Jason and I were close for a little while. And Matt Morris, again, you know, I just went through phases, you know, with different people because I was there the whole time. And sometimes those Mouseketeers I was close with, they didn't show up the next season, you know. So, <laughs> um, and I think one of my favorites of all time is Rona. She is now called Rona Robe in it. Um, and she has a, a show called uh, Perspectives Corner on America Talk Live. And uh, I just, I love her so much. She's, she was one of the funniest girls I have ever met. She used to write little funny songs with uh, Jason Blaine Carson, another Mouseketeer, and they would perform them for us. And they were just silly and funny. And she was really strong and athletic and she sang so well. I just can't say enough about how uh, talented and capable Rona Bennett is and was. So, um, yeah, I could go on and on, but, you know, as far as funny stuff, like, you can't, you can't put that many kids together and not have a whole bunch of shenanigans happen. You know, I, I've said before in interviews that during the very beginning time, um, we had this trio of boys, um, Damon, Chase, and Albert, and they clicked right away and they became, you know, the three boys that all the rest of the boys wanted to be like. And so, you know, for better or for worse, they were extremely wild. And so, you know, you'd have them act out and then all the other boys were trying to act out too. So it was really mostly about, you know, crowd control was Damon, Chase, and Albert. If you could crowd control them, most everyone else would like calm down, I guess. But I was definitely nerdy. Like I just never really fit in in the cool way, which I really believe nowadays contributes to my comfort level of just being myself and just being at peace with that. You could call that being humble, the whole being at peace with just who I am and what I have to offer. Because, you know, when you grow up with, for starters, Brandy Brown, Tiffany Hale, Dee Dee Magno, beautiful girls, beautiful 13-year-old girls at the time. Like, they were just beautiful, you know, and the, their outfits, like, everything about them was the opposite of how I was. I was rounder. I was smaller, like, shorter. I just wasn't cool, you know, like they were. And then you graduate into Carrie Russell, which you kind of don't need to go any further than that, but there's Carrie Russell. And then you have Mylynn another beautiful woman and all of these women still beautiful. And then you go into now, you know, Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears and Nikki DeLoach, who at the time they were young, young girls, but look who they grew up into, you know, they're style icons. So, you know, the people that I grew up with, you know, I really, if I were to compare myself, I would have a lot to talk about if I would really dissect all the differences or similarities between all of us, you know, it's really time consuming. And I did, that already you know that was part of my development in my 20s was getting over just because they were certain things that I wasn't that didn't mean that who I was wasn't valuable you know I have to remember that fans of the Mickey Mouse Club 
Um, there was one year where I got the most fan mail out of all the females. I have to remember that, that everyone has their season of quote unquote, you know, the most popular or the more recognized or the most productive, whatever you want, you know, the smartest, the, the most successful, whatever you want to call your, your victory. Everyone has their season of sowing and reaping. And I was really, going through this nerdy phase in my own perspective on the show, though fans on the other side of the camera thought that I was not nerdy at all. You know, they thought I was really cool and and I was popular at my high school. You know, it's just one of the things that I like to speak on from from here on out in my own messages and my own ministry and my own art is the idea of uh, self-esteem uh, being humble, knowing your own value, being at peace with who you naturally are. Because I have found that I am way more like how I was when I was 12 or 13 in my bubbly personality versus how I was 16 through 26 or whatever. Trying to be more cool, more chill, more, you know, having a front, you know, whatever, whatever someone wants to call it for them, uh, putting on a facade of what I thought looked better. <laughs> but I'm way okay now, way more okay now, and way more at peace with my personality and what I have to give than because I don't try to be something I'm not anymore. Because whatever those other girls are, that's what that's what they are, you know? And they're not me and I'm not them. So there's only one of each of us and we were made for different purposes, all of us. So uh I really believe that and I can't tell you how much more at peace I am and how happier I am um, having, of course, to go through that time, going through the Mickey Mouse Club and then going through as an adult entertainer, um, I should rephrase that, as an entertainer, as an adult, <laughs> but you know what I mean, uh, basically growing up and still being in the business, it's definitely the best thing I could ever try to speak on. The idea of your own self-worth and your own purpose versus trying to put upon yourself even the image or the purposes of others that you look up to or are afraid of either way. It's so important for kids today to know that they're enough, you know, and if you just focus on improving yourself and not trying to be somebody else, it's it's just it's sometimes it's life and death. And I'm really glad I survived. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I just read yesterday, I think it, the quote I read said, uh, be yourself, everyone else is already mm-hmm. taken. I absolutely agree. Every one of those girls and guys, like I said, I could, you know, you could give me a list in any order and I could just go on and on about memories of them and things about them that I really liked and things that I looked up to or wanted to have or be like, you know. And I'm sure that if the roles were reversed, they could have similar paragraphs about me, you know, um, and that I would never know. Like I meet them these days. Like I, I was talking to Dale the other day and I, uh, Dale Godboldo and, and I spoke with Tony Luca in May and just the perspectives of how people saw me back then, you know, they just saw me as such a professional, you know, that I had been there forever. I was a veteran and I had my, my stuff together. I knew my lines, I guess, you know, I was on time and I looked cute, like whatever it was, like I had, I, I was together. You know, and I pride myself on being together these days, you know, like being ready and prepared and and doing a good job and 
being a good servant of whatever whatever my job is, you know, I still have those same goals, you know, and I love it that even back then when I was trying to be cool or wanting to be something that I wasn't, they were seeing what I was naturally what I was naturally made to be, you know, which was a good worker, <laughs> a good entertainer and a good worker. So um, I love it how it comes full circle, you know. I love it that I can talk to those Mouseketeers now and get that perspective. You know, it really helps me confirm that I'm on the right track, you know, and that we all grow up. Yes, we do. Some of us more effectively than others, but we do all grow up. Journeys, you know what? And if I'm somebody who can reconnect and help guide someone in a purpose, whether they're a Mouseketeer or not, but if I can be of use to any of my family from those days, you know, I'm ready for it. I just love stuff like that. I love reconnecting. I love going down memory lane. And then I love, you know, focusing on the now and the future. You know, I love that. I love positive thinking. So I'm all about it. I love my I love my original family, my original Disney family. Good, good. And that leads very nicely into my next question, which is what inspires you? What inspires me? Um, Well, you know, Jesus inspires me very much. And I know that's a whole other interview, but the spirit and the idea of um, the servant heart, that theme in life is very inspiring to me. I've uh, been inspired by giving more than I receive, which I still don't think that I do. I think I receive way more than I give, but it's that it's striving to give. What inspires me is provision especially during Christmas time, seeing the charities and offering my time to concerts who uh, help feed the homeless and give children toys for Christmas and just giving time. That inspires me. And um, my family inspires me. Um, I have a big family. And um, even though my mother um, has passed on, she was really my, my human hero. You know, there's God, but mom was my biggest fan and my closest family for as long as she was here. And so coming out of that, you know, it's kind of like everything else is just on a different plane. You know, I can tell you that pop, soul, gospel, R&B inspires me. I can tell you that people who can sight sing and read music super easy, that inspires me because I can't do it at all that well (laughs) um (laughs) artists inspire me i love action movies you know i love movies even though and maybe i love them so much because they're almost the last form of suspended belief that i haven't really done anything in that part of entertainment you know i can just see a movie and be like that's a great movie and i don't have to worry about how they shot it and what kind of film they use and the lighting and you know i don't have to go there because i don't know that much about it so I can tell you that all this other stuff inspires me, but really what it boils down to, the, the, the highest plane possible that everything else drips down and is influenced by is my love for God and my love for the servant heart, which that even, that theme is inspired by how I feel about Jesus and everything. So giving, giving, giving back is super inspiring. And you can never do it enough. That's the beauty of it. You're, you'll never be finished. That's true. Thank you so much. One more question before I give you a chance to promote whatever it is you'd like to promote. And, you know, as you've described all the different things you've done, and I was trying to even take a few notes that I could include in this little recap here to ask the question, and I don't even really know where to start to try to recap for this, but you've done some amazing things and had some incredible opportunities, met and been a part of 
all, almost unbelievable groups and, and events and things. And I know that there are a lot of people listening who have their own dreams. Maybe it's to work for Disney. Maybe they saw you on the new Mickey Mouse Club and they they want to do something like that or, or work in the parks or something else. And, you know, maybe it's something else entirely. Maybe they want to just pursue a music career or be the the best in a certain area, be their best in a certain area, but they're afraid. Maybe they've forgotten that they had a dream or they've lost their way or they've been told it's not practical or, you know, whatever that is that's pushed that aside. And so that dream has just been sort of buried. So what advice would you have for that person? My advice when it comes to dreams versus fear, I cannot answer that question without bringing my my spirituality and my belief in it. This is something that can be interpreted openly, but knowing my beliefs, you know where I'm coming from with it. But for me, praying about stuff like that, developing a relationship in prayer and saying, just like you would to your parent, like whoever you have in the world who's a mentor, who's wiser than you or that you look up to or, you know, maybe has done something like what you're interested in doing, you know, in your dream, like like they're, they're, they're already in that business or they've maybe taken a leap of faith somewhere or, or met a challenge. Whoever those people are, it's the same idea of going in prayer for advice, for timing, because there is stuff in this world that we cannot control and there is stuff that is not fair. Everybody has. No one is exempt from having things they cannot control, things they're afraid of, and things that aren't fair. And it's not our job to know the answer to every question. It is our job to trust and to trust the right thing. And that thing for me is on the other end of my prayers. You know, it's a being, it's a person. And anyway, so that relationship, however that manifests itself for the people listening, the idea is you, whether or not you're in that job now or and you want to graduate, you want to go to, you know, maybe management or if you want to just get into Disney at all or if you are afraid of that audition, if you're afraid of travel, if you're afraid that you're going to mess up. These are things kind of like how um, I spoke about it earlier in the competition world. You can't worry about who's opposing you because you can't control who's opposing you. What I would focus on and what I would pray about is the strength to work on yourself in a positive way, not to tear yourself down. You're not going to have a better audition if you tell yourself that you may just be good enough not to crack on that note or hopefully you'll remember your lines. There should be no hopefully about it. If you have believed in yourself, gotten to the point where you're going to rehearse those lines, you're going to know that you have them. You're going to know that you have done as much as you can or that when you're in prayer, if you say, this is my dream, I don't know what version of this you want me to be a part of, but you, more than me, know my purpose because I know I have one. Lead me in that direction. And what I have found when I give up the control of the stuff that I have no control of anyway and focused on equipping myself, 
hanging out with people who inspire me, who want good for me and will tell me the truth and support me even when I do miss a note or I mess up an audition or I'm afraid. Those are the people and the tools and the time that you need to invest in, improving yourself in prayer or in meditation, in study, and let, for me, I would say, let God lead you in the right way. It's all about confidence and it's not, it's not not being humble. It's not being self-absorbed. In the true nature of a servant heart, you want to go to the next level. You have a dream because you want to have a chance to give your purpose, right? And you can say it in a selfish way. You can say, I want to be famous. You can say, I want to make more money. I want to be recognized. Those are significant wants. People have that. That's, you know, not necessarily the worst thing ever. Not at all. Um, it's great to succeed. It's a wonderful thing. But what helps and what's more healthy and what sometimes puts us in the right perspective to see the improvement in baby steps is telling ourselves, I want to give back. I want to give more of myself. I want to give a better version of myself. How do I get to that point? And if you don't have the answer, I would say pray about it. But in a practical way, Randy, um, things that I've done along the way and things that I coach my my students in, practice makes perfect. And a lot of vocal coaches don't. Um, it is very unattractive for your coach to say, now you better practice this week because I'm going to know the difference next week, right? It's true. I will know the difference if someone doesn't practice, if they still don't know their words, if they still sound exactly the same. I can tell um, because I've been doing it so long. But I don't necessarily think it's my job to threaten the student. If that person really wants to get better, they're going to practice on their own. And I just encourage listeners, um, whether it's musically or acting, dancing, uh, interviews in business, getting that college degree, going to that interview or that next audition, study, practice, learn for yourself backwards and forwards what you're afraid you're going to forget in the interview and the audition. Learn it to the point where it's like you're breathing, right? If that's what it takes, because for me, that's what it takes. I repeat words. I listen to songs in the car. When I was in New York, I would listen to songs on the subway. I would mark up my lyrics. I would highlight different lines, whatever it took, so that when I felt like I was going to blank in an audition, my muscle memory would come through when I was freaking out, let's say, you know, I, I would like to get to the point and I have where I don't freak out to the point that I can't remember anything. You know what I'm saying? But baby steps, if you know that you're going to be really, really uncomfortable in this first next step that you take, that's okay. Just start early and practice, you know, just prepare. And that's a really practical discipline advice I can give. But on top of all of that, Everyone has been in a situation where it was more than just your own strength and control that got you through. And I encourage you to explore what that means for you in your life, because in my life, it means the higher power. And I speak to him in prayer. And that really makes all the difference in my life. I say, Lord, if you don't want it, I don't want it. And I got to tell you, Randy, my first dream as a child was to be a recording artist. And how could I have known that he would line up all these opportunities for me to possibly in 2013 be an influential gospel pop artist? How would how could I have known that? And how could I have known 
that the story that I have to tell would take 35 years to get to. But I know my purpose, and it wasn't my first choice, but I'm so excited about it because I made all the other wrong choices already, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not as fun, you know, that, that, that maybe isn't as most as as much as what my purpose really ultimately can be. And being a gospel pop artist has a lot more service in it than the type of celebrity pop artist that I might have wanted to be when I was in my 20s. And that was because I was looking for other people, what they were doing instead of what I should have been doing, you know. Definitely. Absolutely. Great advice. Thank you for sharing it. And I have to say that it resonates really well with me because I come from a different set of experiences, but I share very, very similar advice to what you were saying as a life and personal development coach. The way I put it, as I talk to people, is it's about becoming the you that God made you to be. Exactly. And sometimes our first verbalization of what our dream is, isn't exactly the fully realized God version of the dream. Right. We start somewhere and then build, develop, change, whatever from there to get to that other one that we may not even envision at the time. I agree that it's all about focus. It's all about baby steps and definitely focusing on what is my purpose? Am I giving back or am I taking? You know, I think that when you align all that stuff up, it, you know, and it takes time and not everyone is going to have the same answers. That's what's also important. Don't compare your answers to everybody else's. It's your life, but what is your life for? And I encourage stepping out into those dreams. I encourage taking your fear, taking the bull by the horns, if you will, you know, taking that fear and just saying, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Equip yourself to be successful. Absolutely. Definitely. Again, thank you for that answer. And now one last question, and that is, is there anything that you would like to mention or promote? Um, As I've come to put it on the show, it's shameless plug time. (laughs) Here are my shameless plugs that you can plug into your computer and see stuff. Right now, I have a website, which is fun because it has my Twitter on it, as well as some wonderful photo galleries um, that are called the MMC Geek Out page. So if you go to www.jennifermcgill.com, Uh, The homepage has my Twitter feed, and my Twitter handle as well as my Instagram handle is at Jen McGill Music. That's J-E-N-N-M-C-G-I-L-L Music. So I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, like my public page. And um, I also have, we're not active right now, we're on hiatus, but there are some episodes of Cup of Show that I and my producer manager, Bestie, developed. It is online and um, we have a Facebook page that you can like and our links uh, as well as snail mail address are on our Cup of Show Facebook page. But we have episodes on Ustream that you can go to at any time and watch. So just go to our Facebook page, like us, and um, go to those links that are just all over the page. So, yes, my website has um, never-before-seen pictures taken mostly by my mother of my Mickey Mouse Club years. So be sure to check that out. Um, I have – if you follow me on Twitter – And Instagram and Facebook. Usually I post when I'm singing at church and you can see services online 
of course, when I give shout outs and I can tell you when I'm actually going to be singing uh, in the front of the praise team. But um, in general, that link is www.oasischurch.tv. And you can find on-demand services there. But if you follow me on Twitter, I'll let you know when I'm singing, if that's what you want to focus on. But it's, you know, great church services in general. I enjoy it. I love my praise and worship team there. Um, you can Google me, and that's just for fun, you know. <laughs> There's all sorts of crazy stuff online. <laughs> you can see all the different hairstyles I've had throughout the years, because my face hasn't changed, apparently, but my hair has. Um, and I I just would love to, to say in general that I'm really excited about the, the musical projects that um, are coming out. For those of you who may have bought the limited edition deluxe single on iTunes that had Hanging On For Dear Life as well as uh, This Little Light, thank you so much for buying those. They're not available anymore. But I did want to give a shout out to those who did get it. Um, Hanging On For Dear Life, we're hoping will resurface again as well as This Little Light in this new project. We're just, we're hoping, well, I'll just put it out there that that's as far as we've gotten with it. But Hanging On For Dear Life is definitely the fan favorite. When I get uh, stopped and approached about the Mickey Mouse Club, um, the number one song people talk about is Hanging On For Dear Life. That was also my mother's favorite song, and she always wanted it to be on an album. So I am trying to keep that in the dream as well. So, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out. But, yeah, eventually, hopefully I'll have an album out on iTunes. But we are in uh, the first stages of development, and I love it that we have a focus. I love it that we have a theme and um, a map. You know, we've got – I feel like I'm standing on the right map right now, and it's just, you know, letting the directions come. So, yeah, thanks for liking me on Facebook, and thank you for following me on Twitter. And definitely check in on my my website because there's a lot of just fun pictures to look at. Awesome. Thank you. And I will link to all of that in the show notes so that people can go right to the show notes for this episode and then click through to all of those things and like and view and follow and all the stuff you do with all those things. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and your stories and your inspiration and everything that that you brought to this and everything that you put in with Disney and that you continue to do. I really appreciate it. And so thank you. Well, I really appreciate the time, Randy. I love talking about this stuff. I love talking about my Mouska life and my Mouska childhood. And um, I never want that to get old. I never want to lose the residual pixie dust that I still have kind of on my shoulders every now and then. Absolutely. And it doesn't sound like you're in any danger of that anytime soon. I'm pretty magical.
Hi, this is Rick Moyer. And this is Amy Moyer. And we are the hosts of Take Him With You. The weekly podcast where we discuss life at the Geeky Moyer's home. And then we talk about our faith and how it relates to the world around us. Very, very positive podcast. And we think you really enjoy it. And I love Star Trek and heavy metal music. And I like Star Trek. Kinda. And heavy metal music. And I hate heavy metal music. <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear more of our banter? You can by listening to our podcast. Where can they find it? You can find it at TakeHimWithYou.com or iTunes. That's right, iTunes. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Once again, a very special thank you to Jennifer McGill for being my guest and to you for listening. If you've worked for the Walt Disney Company in any capacity and would like to share a positive story, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY anytime 24 hours a day. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, let's talk. If you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience or had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or if you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, I'd love to hear from you too. Maybe you have a special memory of the Mickey Mouse Club, either the original or one of the more recent ones, and you want to talk about that. That's a great reason to call in or email. Email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, on the website, or on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. I know it's kind of a pain to have to, to log in and uh, complete that, but I would really appreciate it. Those ratings help make the podcast more visible there, so it's easier for people to find. And really, it does only take a couple of minutes, so please do that. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Please like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic. One more little thing before closing out here. I don't currently have an interview recorded for next week's episode. Uh, I'm going to try to get one done, but we may or may not have a new episode next Friday. Uh, that would be January 18th. There may not be a new episode January 18th. I'm not going to push this and throw something together just to get an episode up. So for a little while, the, uh, the episodes might be a little bit irregular, but they will be coming and... Uh, I hope to bring you fascinating and interesting and fun interviews for each one. And I want to make sure that they're good quality with great people. So just stay subscribed. And once a new episode is up, it'll hit your feed, I promise. Finally, remember that this episode has been brought to you by Leaving Conformity Coaching. If you feel like you're just going through the motions, living in a fog with no clear idea of why you're here and what you're supposed to do, maybe even wasting your life, then it's time to take steps to change your life and be transformed. 
Live your life with purpose, clarity, direction, and meaning. To find out more about Leaving Conformity Coaching and how I can help you, access some free resources and read my blog, visit leavingconformitycoaching.com stories. And don't forget to enter for a chance to win that unforgettable Disneyland Resort vacation, including one night in the Disneyland Dream Suite for up to six guests. Just go to storiesofthemagic.com slash Disneyland Sweeps to sign up and enter. And I will have that link in the show notes, too, so you can just go to the show notes and click right through. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.